Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Welcome to the Least of These Podcasts. We reach out to those the world has forgotten. If you'd like to know more about us and how you can donate to help us fulfill our mission, go to hisloveministries.net. Thank you very much and God bless you. Amen. All right. Well, the next one was a good one too. To God be the glory. It's time to go ahead and do our message or else we won't have time. Well, remember, we've been in the book of John, and probably next time when I come, we'll be in back in 1 John, and and I was thinking about that, that about that repentance that the Bible says, unless we repent and become as little children, we will likewise know we will not see the kingdom of God, right? And so when John writes the book of John, he says, in chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, and many other signs Jesus did in the presence of his disciples. But he says, these signs have been written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ and believe that you might have life in his name. And so the purpose of the book of John is, number one, that we would believe that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the, the anointed one of God, the Son of God. And every time he did a miracle, he was showing that he was God over time, God over distance, God over creation, God over everything. John doesn't give us any genealogy or any birth narrative. He just goes straight to the heart of the matter and says, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God, right? He was in the beginning with God, if you didn't understand that. So John wants us to understand that Jesus is God. And he tells us that that the Word became flesh, and we beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's verse 14 of chapter 1. And then he goes on to tell us that everything that was created was created by God, by Jesus, and Jesus is God, and so He created everything. And we talked about that, how He created everything, and all the beauty, and all the order, and how things just all work together. There's no way that this could have just happened by chance. That you don't just throw dynamite out in the middle of the woods and say, wow, there's Saluda Nursing Home, or wow, look at that beautiful hotel, or wow, look at this, look at that. But that's what they want us to believe. And so we saw the last time that it said he did all this, and then John the Baptist, not John the Apostle, but John the Baptist came to be a witness to the light. And we talked about light means holiness and purity and righteousness and, and darkness stands for evil and, and wrong and bad things. And John likes those terms a lot. And you know the Bible uses those quite a bit too. So he says he was that was the true light, verse 8, that gives light to every man coming into the world. So John came as a witness to bear witness of the light. He was not that light, but he came to tell everybody that Jesus was coming, and we'll talk more about that. But today we kind of want to talk a little bit about the fact that everybody has an opportunity to trust Jesus Christ. Because verse 9 here says, That was the true light, which gives light to every man. And when the Bible says man, in most of the places when it says it like this, to every man coming into the world, He's saying mankind, the word anthropos. It's not man or woman or whatever, but it means men, women, boys and girls, everybody. It means mankind. It's the word anthropos, where we get mankind from, human beings. And so he says every man coming into the world, every person coming into the world knows there is a light. 
And so God gives us light. I want to talk about that light a little bit because, you know, sometimes people will say that God didn't give everybody a chance to go to heaven. And they say that's not fair. But, you know, the bottom line is, is that God gives everybody an opportunity. We talked last time about how everybody knows there's a God because of creation. And that's what we're going to talk about a little bit more, that God created everything because of the beauty and the order and all the things and how beautiful they are. We know there's a God. So I want to turn over to Romans chapter 1 for a minute. And it tells us that. It says over in Romans chapter 1, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who do what? Hold down or suppress the truth and unrighteousness. So in other words, he says that people, the wrath of God is being shown or constantly being revealed against mankind because what may be known of God is known, known by them, right? And they hold down that truth. They don't want to know the truth, right? And, and it says here that it says, because what may be known of God is shown to them because God has shown it to them. So God has shown people the truth that he exists. We're going to keep reading and we'll explain this a little bit deeper in a minute. But he says, for since the creation of the world, his individual visible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. In other words, he says that because of his creation, people know that there has to be a divine creator. And people know that, they see that, and they understand that, because everywhere in the world you go, people are worshiping something. They're worshiping some kind of God. We're going to go deeper. But he says so that they are without excuse. So people are without an excuse because why? They know there's a God. And he says, because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were they thankful, but they became futile or empty in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of a, the incorruptible God into the corruptible image of man and birds and animals and four-footed beings and creeping things. So what does it say here? It says that everybody knows there's a God. We can look around and we know, as I said the last time, the beauty and the order. When you look at a car, you know, and you see that car, you know somebody made it. They didn't shake up pieces of metal in, a, in some kind of big machine for thousands of years or millions of years and then they turn it over and out came the Cadillac, right? That ain't how it happened. They couldn't shake up this uh, building. It was too big, right? But, but you know, all this stuff just didn't happen. And that's what he's saying there. People hold down the truth and God's wrath is constantly being revealed against people who do not accept the truth about God. And that's, you know, that's what sin is in this world, right? It causes earthquakes and sicknesses and old age and disease and all kinds of things. And we know that ultimately sin is the cause of that. But then there's times where people, where God shows us and when he does something dramatic, like when he went against Sodom and Gomorrah and he did what? He destroyed the whole city and he 
rain, fire, and brimstone on it. And because Lot's wife, she 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 did not want to leave because she liked the worldly stuff. What did she do? She turned around and looked and turned into a pillar of stone, right? And so we know that God shows us who he is, but the question is, is are we going to believe him? It's like this. He says here, professing to be wise, they became fools. And that word fool is not the word like a lot of times say, you fool, and we think we're just saying somebody's stupid, right? Or they don't have a mental capabilities. But it's the same word that God uses about three times in the Bible when he says the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And literally you can translate that verse, you can leave out the part there is no God because that's kind of added in to help us understand it. Because when they wrote in the Greek, when they wrote the Greek, and I'm not a Greek scholar, like I said, I can't even speak English very well sometimes. But what did they do? They they did left out all the verbs and the main point of the word, the sentence was always first, like we said last time. God was the word. God was there in the beginning. That it was put. God was there first. That way you understand it. And what he says here is he says. The fool has said in his heart, and what he's saying is it's the word moron. And the word moron is the word that means somebody that knows the truth, but does not believe it. They know the truth, but they're not willing to accept it. And you know, that's what God says. He says, the fool has said in his heart, no God. There is no God. It's sort of like, maybe I'll sit down at the table later on and they're fixing you some supper and or they bring it to your room or maybe they come by a little bit later on and they say you want some more tea or you want something and you say no tea or no no more that's what the fool says he ain't saying he, he just says they no god for me that's what the fool says no god for me i don't want a god i don't want to be accountable to a god and as it's been said before, and I may have said it here before, and I'll probably say it again, that the number one song that's ever been sung, at least the last time I checked, at funerals was by Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. You know, and, and that, that that's what people say, but you know what? I got a guy, he just texted me yesterday, the mission team, y'all saw him two years ago, they didn't get to come last year, because all this COVID stuff going on. But he, he texted me to see if we could possibly start coming into some facilities again and do, and do the mission trip, bring their group. We know we probably won't get to do it early this year, but maybe later this year they want to go to Savannah. But what he said was, but when I talked to him, I said I wasn't sure, but he really wrote that song. He lived in New York for some period of time, and he, he rewrote that song, New York, New York, and it, and then he sings that song, I did it my way, and he said, I made lots of mistakes, but I've learned over time that now I do it his way. He does it God's way, not my way. And that's why he rewrote that song. And you know, that's what God wants us to do, is to understand that he, he's the one that created us. He's the one that made us. He's the one that gets to decide what we do and not do. But many times we don't want to read this instruction book which God gave us the Bible. We want to do things our way. 
And we don't want somebody to tell us what to do, do we? I mean, most of us, and you know, I was like that before I was saved. I was just, I didn't want anybody to tell me what to do. And you know, that's the way all of us are deep down inside. We don't ultimately want somebody to tell us what to do. If we want to, if we can do it without somebody telling us, that's one thing. But if we feel like somebody's putting us in a corner and saying, you got to do this, then we get back, we bow up in our back and we don't want to do it, right? We're like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. Because why? Because you told me I have to do it. It's that way you just look at a little kid, you tell them to do something, and they look at you and go, they give you that look like, I'm not going to do it. You know, I told some folks the other day that there was a story about a little boy. He was, uh, he, he, he said uh, he was in the back seat, and he was standing up in the back seat, and the mama kept telling him, say, put your seatbelt on. And this was before they came up with all these things with the car seats and how you have to stay in them now to certain weights and all these things but he said he, he she says put your seatbelt on and sit down and he said no and he's like standing there she says if you don't put this seatbelt on right this minute i'm gonna stop the car and wear you out and he he stopped he, he sat down he put the seatbelt on and he looked at her and he says I'm sitting down on the outside, but on the inside, I'm standing up. In other words, I'm doing it, but I ain't happy about it. And inside, I'm going, no, I'm not sitting down. You know, and that's the way all of us ultimately are. And so he, he says here that, that we know there's a God, and he says that they understand that. That's why all over the world, people are doing what? Worshiping something, right? They worship the sun, the moon, the stars. Uh, there was an old movie called Volcano Joe, and they were going to throw this guy into the volcano because they thought he was the cause of all their problems in the village, and so they were going to sacrifice him to the volcano god, right? Because the volcano was threatened to erupt. And, you know, that's what people do. They worship worms and cows. and India, they worship all kinds of stuff. They're afraid to kill a rat. Even though that rat's creating all these diseases and all these problems and people are dying and they're eating up all their food and, and they don't even have enough food for the people to live on, and they, but they won't kill them because they, they think that maybe their mama or daddy or their cousin or granddaddy or somebody came back, they were reincarnated as a rat or a cow or, a, or something so they won't kill these animals and eat them. And that's the craziness of what people believe. And that's the way it is all across the world. In the deepest, darkest jungles, you can go out in the deepest, darkest jungles and you'll find people are worshiping something. It may be a cow, it may be a rat, it may be the sun, the moon, the stars, a volcano, who knows what it is, but they're worshiping something. And so he says that people understand God's power and his invisible attributes, in other words, his ability to create, to design, and they recognize that in the world. But they're not willing to say that God did it. They're willing to say that something did it, but they're not willing to say that God did it. Something blew up and it happened. That's what they're willing to say. Evolution caused it over all these millions of years. But that's not what happened. And every time you turn around, they're changing the numbers. And so he says they didn't glorify God, nor were they thankful. See, God gives everybody the ability to understand he's there. 
He says their foolish hearts were darkened. And they thought they were smart. They thought they were wise, but they became fools. You know, somebody asked me one time, says, how do these people make such stupid decisions? I said, because they're unsaved. They don't know the Lord. And, and the, uh, the Bible says that the natural man does not understand the things of God. And so people that don't know the Lord, they can make some crazy, stupid decisions. And a lot of times what they think is right is absolutely wrong and bad and, and just the worst thing you could absolutely do. But that's what they want to do because they think that they're so smart. And he says, they changed the image of God into a corrupt, the corruptible images, the incorruptible God. In other words, a God that cannot change, a God that's glorious and wonderful and kind and loving. And they changed that image into something like animals and man and creeping things and birds and four-footed animals. And they make these little idols and they worship. They put the Buddha up on the shelf or they... Do what these people did. They had this big old Buddha in the garage and they had a tent and they had all this stuff they were worshiping and they had it all set up in the garage. And that's what people do because they do not want to know the true God. But you know what? I heard a man, Adrian Rogers, I don't know if y'all have ever heard of Adrian Rogers, the preacher. He's been dead a long, long time now, probably about 30 years. But he used to preach, and he preached a sermon one time, and he said that he believes that that guy out in the deepest, darkest jungle, because he knows there's a God because he sees all of the creation and all the beauty and all the order, that if he decided he wanted to know the true God, that God would crash an airplane and parachute a missionary in so that that man, that native out in the jungle, could hear the gospel. You know, people have taken the gospel to all kinds of places. These people were, I forget the guy's name, Nate Saint and uh, Jim uh, Elliott and his wife. Uh, she was on the radio for years and years and years. They still got her program on there. But she was a godly woman. But her husband and, and three other men got killed by these natives. And they were cannibals and all these things. And then they went back, these people went back and led them to the Lord. And now these people are the most godly tribe in that area. And they're, take, and they're leading other people to the Lord. They're starting churches and doing all these things. But see, God brought somebody in to share the gospel with them. And even though it took the death of these missionaries for them to understand the truth of God and what they were doing was wrong, they finally understood it. But see, folks, it's just like here in the United States. We've got the gospel preached everywhere. we got Bibles everywhere. we got... All these false preachers, we got some good preachers on the TV, but we got a lot of false preachers preaching out there you can get to heaven by doing good works or because you've been baptized or because you could join a church or something you did or didn't do. But the only thing that you can or cannot do that will get you into heaven is, is if you don't turn to Jesus Christ because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one gets to the Father but by me. And so if you want to get to heaven, you need to put your trust in Christ. You need to ask God to forgive you. You need to repent and say, I'm turning from my sin. You say, well, I'm not a sinner. Yes, you are. The Bible says there's none good that does, 
There's no no one that does good, no not one. There's none righteous, no not one. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says we all like sheep have gone on to our own way. Sound like that song, right? Each to his own way. But God has laid the sin, the guilt of us all on Jesus. So Jesus died for your sins. He died for my sins. And he was buried and he rose again the third day. We celebrated on Resurrection Sunday about a month ago or a month and a half ago. But the bottom line is, is Jesus died so that we could go to heaven. But folks, you can't go to heaven just because you believe there's a Jesus. You can't go to heaven just because you joined the church. You can't go to heaven just because you take communion or were baptized or you did more good than bad or whatever it is you want to do. But you got to say, oh God, I'm a sinner. Save me. And that might be just right here in your heart like I did when I was younger. I was sitting in the church and the pastor said, you need to be saved because you, you need a Savior and you can't change. And you're, The Bible says that the heart is deceitfully wicked and who can know it? And I realized how wicked my heart was. And that's all of us, folks. It's not just some of us. We look at some people and they, they say, that's a sweet little old lady, or that's a sweet little old man, or that's a sweet young lady, or that's a sweet little kid. And they might on the outside be, but they still need Jesus on the inside. All of us do. So I'm begging you. I'm pleading with you. If you have never asked Jesus to forgive you, you've never asked God to forgive you on the basis of what Jesus did on the cross. Ask him today to forgive you. Say, oh God, I'm a sinner. I'm turning from my sin and I'm turning to Jesus. And I want to turn from all the things I used to do, the way I thought, the things I did. And I want to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And if you will do that today, the Bible says, whoever calls on his name shall be saved. Not hope so, not might be, but whoever calls. That's why it says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, son that whoever believes has eternal life, not will have. See, I have eternal life right now. And if you've trusted Christ, you have eternal life right now. Eternal life is not going to heaven, not, not all of it, but eternal life is, is knowing Jesus. And it's living for him right here, right now. And yes, one day we go to heaven. And we get the best of it. But right now we live here and I have eternal life. I have Christ as my Savior. And one day, in spite of all the stuff that goes on in this world, it's going to be worth it all when I see Jesus. Amen. So trust in Him today. Ask Him to forgive you. Ask Him to save you. And the Bible says, if you call on His name, you will not be put to shame. If you call on His name, you will be saved. If you confess with your mouth, and believe with your whole being, your heart, that Jesus is God, and that he has been raised from the dead by God, then you shall be saved. For with the mouth you confess unto righteousness. That's God makes you holy and righteous. And with the heart you believe unto salvation. Do that today. Father, we thank you for these that know you already and have trusted you, that glorify you, that praise you. And hopefully that's everybody. But Lord, if not, if there's one that doesn't know you, I pray today that you would just give them the ability, give them the help, give them the desire, the want to, the need to understand that without Jesus, 
they're not going to make it to heaven and they would cry out and ask you to forgive them and ask you to save them and say, oh God, I'm a sinner. Save me. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Please help us reach out to those the world has forgotten. Everyone we minister to is locked up in some way, shape, or form. Those in the nursing home facilities are locked up in bodies that do not work in a wheelchair or in a bed. We minister to children and youth who are locked up because of behavioral problems. Some have told us we want to have a real family because their parents have lost or given up custody of them. Other kids are locked up because they've committed crimes. We also minister to those locked up at the jails and the prisons, to those locked up in addictions, to drugs, alcohol, depression, and suicidal thoughts, to those locked up in a variety of other things that keep them from becoming who Jesus wants them to be. He came to give us abundant life, joy, and set us free, and these people that we minister to are not free. Our desire is to show them whatever their background, no matter what they've done, to see how much God loves them. We seek to help them receive forgiveness and freedom from their sin in Jesus Christ. We minister in the local area of Savannah, Georgia, and surrounding Effingham and Chatham area. We have recently expanded our ministry to to the Lexington and Columbia, South Carolina area. We do over 2,000 services every year. We hope and pray that you will support us in some way that so we can continue our mission. Go to hisloveministries.net and click on the Donate Now button or send it via regular mail to Post Office Box 1881, Lexington, South Carolina, 29071. We hope and pray that you will do that. Thank you and God bless you. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. John 832.